Gracious God, be with these children as they study your word together. Um, speak to them, Lord. Speak to their hearts. And speak to ours as well as we consider this parable of the wedding banquet that we would understand that we have been a called and chosen people. And help us, Lord, to respond faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I, I hope this is not a traumatic memory for any of you, um, and if it is, I do apologize. But I want you to think back to your days on the playground and just ask yourself, do you remember a time where people were picking teams, right? You first and second and, and picking who was on what side. Um, and if you were like me, you were probably picked somewhere in the middle, if not towards the end. Some of you are athletes. I know you all picked first, others of you. Um, perhaps not so much, and that might be a painful memory. Um, but, but occasionally, occasionally, somebody unexpected would be chosen first. And maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you remember that. You were picked first. You were considered to be the one that everybody needed on their team. And when that happened, at least if it ever happened to me, something um, something changed, right? You wanted to do better. You wanted to perform well. You wanted to, um, to serve your team as best as you could. And you almost took that as a challenge. That I've been picked. I've been chosen. I'm ready to, um, to faithfully serve. Because this person picked me, um, I want to play as best as I can. Well, I want us just to keep that in the back of our mind, that little illustration, um, as we consider this parable this morning, because um, this is a parable about God calling and choosing people to have a place in His kingdom. It's about God calling and choosing people to have a place in His kingdom. And what we're going to see is that God's people have been chosen and called into the kingdom. And this choosing and calling is a reality that transforms them, transforms us, further into the image of Christ. When God calls us and chooses us, it changes us. It makes us further and further into Jesus' image. Now, I know it doesn't always feel that way. We're going to talk about that. Um, But that's the reality of what's happening when we have been called into the kingdom of God. But before we get there, we need to set the scene. Um, We've been in Matthew's Gospel now for a few weeks, so you might remember this is... um, well, again, we, this can be a little disorienting to us liturgical folk because um, Jesus, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, is uh, we celebrate that on Palm Sunday, right, which is way back in the spring. Um, and here we are in the fall, and the parables we're reading, the teachings of Jesus we're looking at, actually have happened after the triumphal entry. So this is Jesus in Jerusalem. Um, he has entered into Jerusalem. He has gone to the temple. He has flipped over the tables and driven out the money changers, and now he's interacting with the Jewish leaders of the day. And so a couple of weeks ago, um, the Jewish leaders asked that question. Do you remember the question, by what authority do you do these things? Or by what authority do you teach these things? And um, we looked at, at, a, couple, at a parable in, in response to that where um, Jesus asked them a question and they wouldn't answer it. And he said, well, you won't answer my question, so I'm not going to answer yours. And then he goes on, and he, he, this is the third in a series of three parables. And all of them are making the same point, except they're building upon it. So a couple of weeks ago, 
We read the parable of the two sons. Uh, remember, there was the one son that um, God said, go into the field. And he said, sure. No, God, the father said, go into the field. And the son said, sure, I'd be happy to, but he never went. Um, and the other son, the father said, go into the field. And that son said, no, I'm not doing that. But then he changes his mind and he goes. Well, that parable, like we talked about, is about unrepentant Israel. It's about the people of God being called and chosen and refusing the invitation. And so then the next parable that we read last week was the parable of the tenants, the wicked tenants. And so these were the ones who were renting out the vineyard and every time the master sent somebody to collect the fruit of their labor, um, they drove them off or they beat him or they killed them. And ultimately they killed the, the master's own son. Um, and Jesus ends that parable by saying, you know, because they treated um, the master's servants this way, they were going to be removed from the vineyard and the vineyard was going to be given to somebody else. And there's a, um, a great little line at the end of that parable. I don't know if you remember it. Um, at the end, it said, um, this is about the Jewish leaders. Although they were seeking to arrest him, they, uh, no, verse 46, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Um, like, oh, they're very perceptive. <laughs> they, they get it. Um, so again, it's this reality that, that the vineyard was given to the master's chosen people, that the kingdom was given to Israel. Um, and they've rejected that. They've rejected that. And so what Jesus is saying is that God's going to give it to somebody else. And so then we have this parable of the wedding banquet. And this um, makes the same point as the last one, right? There's this invitation that's rejected by the first guests. Um, and so the, the king sends out an invitation to anybody on the streets, and, and they all come. And so it's making a similar point about um, the, the, the Jewish leaders have rejected um, the Messiah. They've rejected their status as, as, as God's people, um, at least as we understand it. Um, it's a little more complicated as we get into further in the New Testament. But the Jewish leaders, at least, have rejected this. And God has taken it away, and he's sent the invitation to somebody else. Um, but what happens in this parable is we get a little bit more information because receiving that invitation we see doesn't, isn't a matter of just receiving it and still being who we currently are. Right? There's that guest who came in and he hadn't put on his wedding garment. And so there's something about receiving the invitation, about being called and chosen by God that will transform us. And that's what we're going to look at in this parable today. What does it look like? to not only be called off the streets into the wedding banquet of God, but then to be transformed further into the image of Christ in that process. So this is the last of these three parables that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. Um, and when he's done, they're going to begin their plot to try to trap him in his words um, and, and be ready to arrest him um, when they finally think they have done that. So... Um, we're in Matthew chapter 22. We're going to begin with the first verse. And we're going to look at what it means, what it looks like to be called and chosen by God, and what that transformation looks like when that happens. So let's look at verses 1 through 10, the calling and the choosing. Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. 
and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. Um, So there's a wedding feast, right? The king as a wedding feast to celebrate his son. And he's sparing no expense. And this would be pretty typical. It was not uncommon for the king to invite the whole town, for the leading ruler to invite the whole town. And so everyone is invited to this wedding feast of the king um, to celebrate his son. And when you read the parable, like if you look closely at verse um, 3, the king sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. So the invitations have actually gone out. The invitations went out weeks ago. People got invited. They knew when the wedding feast was. They had their save the dates. It should have been on their calendar and their iPhones, right? They responded, RSVP, like 70% of them did. The other 30 forgot, but they're coming too. And so the servants are sent out to remind them, like, it's ready, it's time, you should come. But they refuse, right? They don't come. To turn this invitation down, especially if they've already accepted it, would have been a great insult that the king has made this huge feast and gotten it ready and killed all of his best animals. But they do, right? They turn it down. They reject the king's servants. Not once. He sends them once. They say no. So he sends them again. They say the banquet is ready, the calves and the oxen are killed, the food is warm. And yet they refuse to come. They return to their farms, to their business. Some of them inexplicably murder the king's servants. And so the king responds, right? He pronounces judgment on the murderers. He burns their city, those who have rejected him. This is clearly the religious leaders, if, in, case, in case we didn't realize that. Um, and he returns his attention to the wedding banquet at hand. So he sent out these invitations. Nobody comes. They all reject him. Um, and he realizes he needs to find other guests. So he sends his servants out again. And this time he sends them to the main roads, the busy thoroughfares, to all who are traveling through. And you can imagine there's all sorts of types of people traveling on these roads. And the servants went out and he met these people right where they were, right in the busiest part of town, right on the busiest roads. He met them right there. And these people were dirty from long hours in the fields. They were exhausted from a hard day at the office. They were at the end of their rope from chasing kids around the house all day. Wherever these guests were in their lives, the king's servant met them and invited them into the banquet. So clearly, the first part of this parable that we just read is a reference to Israel's rejection of the Messiah. They 
rejected the prophets. They rejected um, John the Baptist. They have now, they are in the process of rejecting Jesus. But God was not content to simply invite people and for them to say no. And so he issues another invitation. And what he's um, issuing an invitation to now, the people he's issuing to now are incredibly surprising, right? He's issuing it to the Gentiles, to the people who are outside of God's kingdom, outside of God's people. There were, there were two types of people in the world those days. There were the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were the people of God. The Gentiles were not. And it was thought that there was no way they could be a part of the kingdom of God short of becoming Jewish themselves. And yet here in this parable, God is very clearly saying, I'm sending my invitation out to somebody else. And it's going to be surprising. And we know that Jesus has invited the Gentiles. And such is the power of the cross, right? That our Lord has died for us, that he has given his life, that we might have new life. And this is not an exclusive thing. It's not only for a certain type of people. It's not only for a certain type of behavior. This is a surprising invitation that goes out to the ends of the earth. To anyone, no matter where they are, or what state of life they are in, that they would hear the message of Jesus and the message of the cross. And that they would accept that invitation. And as we say a lot, we will be incredibly surprised when we realize who has accepted this invitation. When we see who is invited to the king, we're going to see doctors and we're going to see lepers. We're going to see lawyers and we're going to see tax collectors. We're going to see housewives and we're going to see prostitutes. It's going to be a motley crew. And all of them are going to be sitting down at this wedding banquet table, sharing the feast and celebrating the coming wedding. And so it's a surprising thing, those who would be chosen and called by the king. And yet here we are, through Jesus, this invitation extended to the ends of the earth to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. But as the parable continues, we realize that part of this calling is also a change, a transformation. That the people called um, don't come into the feast exactly as they were when they were called. Look at verses 11 to 14. When the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. These guests, right, are coming straight out of the fields. They're coming straight off the roads. The, the servants have, like, come to them. They, had, they didn't have a prior invitation. And they're like, hey, come to the feast. And they're like, okay, we'll come. Um, and yet, all of them managed, all of them except for this one, all of them managed to put on a wedding garment to be clothed for the feast. Now, how did that happen? We're not sure, and we don't exactly know what was the, the custom back then, but when we look at... At scripture, and it talks about um, figuratively being clothed for the great wedding banquet of the Lamb, it's pretty clear that the Lord is providing the garments. And so perhaps that's Jesus' intention, and we can think of it this way, that as they arrived, perhaps the, the king's servants are heading out 
handing out the wedding garments so that these folks would be prepared as they come into the feast. They would be clothed appropriately to sit and celebrate. And so these guests have come straight out of the fields and they're dressed in magnificent wedding garments. They're there to honor the king and they do so with the way they are dressed in addition to their presence. They were invited where they were and coming in they are transformed into glory. And this was expected, right? It's not like the king came out and said, oh, how did y'all get cleaned up so fast? Or, wow, y'all look amazing this evening. He, he doesn't come out and... and and be surprised that they're dressed up. In fact, the only thing he's surprised about is there's one person. There's one person who doesn't have the garment. He doesn't comment on the beauty of the dresses or the, or the, um, the handsomeness of the men in the tuxedos or um, any of those things. He notices the one guest who's called off the street Yet, who is not wearing a wedding garment? Um, on and off, I do a little bit of duck hunting. And it's amazing to go duck hunting with somebody who can call ducks. Because um, the best I can do is sit and hope that they come. And, and usually, they land over there. And I'm like, oh, come on. But anyway, um, if you're hunting with somebody who can call ducks, they'll see them flying overhead. And they'll issue the call on their duck call. They'll... they'll um, I don't know, make it sound like whatever duck is flying overhead. And, and this flock of ducks going one way will U-turn and come and land in the decoys. And it's an amazing thing. Um, and it's something like that with God's call. Now, the intentions of the Lord and the hunters are different. So this illustration breaks down, just to be clear. But God calls us. And it is a complete 180. It is a complete turn, a complete change when we hear the call of the Lord. He calls us back to Him. He calls these guests in. And when they, they come in, they're, they're clothed in these splendid garments. That's what happens when we walk into the wedding feast of the Lamb. And for someone to be there who's not clothed in these garments, they didn't hear the call of the God. They didn't respond in such a way that, that the Lord has, has worked in their heart. There's, a, um, there's this possibility of being present and yet not truly knowing the Lord. There's a possibility of being present in the people of God and not truly knowing the call of Jesus. And that's what we see with this person who doesn't have on the wedding garment. The fact of the matter is the lives of God's chosen people, the lives of those who have been called by God, who have responded to that call, will look different than those around them. Now, I want to be clear, this isn't a make your life look different so you can present yourself worthy to God. That's not how it works. Who's handing out the garments? The Lord is. But the simple fact of the matter is when we have received the call of God truly in our hearts and responded to that, we will look different. Our lives will be different. They will be changed and transformed. And, and it's, it might happen slowly. I mean, some people, it's like, bam, their, their lives are a complete reversal of what they were. I think most people, they hear the call of God, and it's a slow turn, but it's a turn nonetheless. And over time, they realize something has changed. The Lord has worked in their hearts. 
But as the immensity of the grace of God settles in our hearts, as we remember time and time again that God loved us so much that He would die for us, that His Son Jesus would give up His life, when that sinks into our hearts over and over again, it, it can't help but change us to make us more patient and more graceful and more forgiving and more loving and more compassionate. That's what happens when the work of God is in us. And sometimes we have to make intentional decisions. And again, the Lord is helping us do this. The Lord is equipping us. But sometimes um, a life that has been chosen by God uh, might be realized through an intentional decision to change. Maybe it's some, um, it's working less and praying more. Maybe for others, it's a decision to, to hold off on the last beer of the day. Maybe for others, it's um, delaying a, a, a trip that you want to go on or a meal you want to eat in order to help out somewhere in the community. All of these things, that they're difficult and they require sacrifice and they require hard work. But when the grace of God is settled in our hearts, when we realize we've been chosen by Him, these are decisions. These are decisions that are, are different than what others around us are doing that indicate, that show that the Lord is working in us and there's something we long to do, that we desire. And so there's something about being chosen and called by God that invites us to live lives that are different, lives that glorify the King. And it is indeed a challenging thing to do. Because honestly, um, you're going to find um, Christians, conservative Christians and liberal Christians, I mean, I mean, running the gamut, you're going to find people who say um, that you have been chosen and that God loves you and that's all that's going to happen. And you just got to wait it out until you get to the kingdom. And you're going to find people who say, um, you know, keep going down in your sinful lifestyle because, um, because God loves you anyway. Um, and he's not asking you to change. And there's others who are going to be saying, well, you've been called and chosen by God, and yet yeah, you're going to mess up a whole bunch, um, but there, there's no need to see any change in your life because you know you've been saved, and, um, and you can walk right into the kingdom. And, and at the end of the day, we don't know how all this works, but we can say that when God has called us, when he has brought us into relationship with his son Jesus, when the grace of God has settled in our hearts, that will be manifest in our lives. It will be manifest. It's nothing you've done. Nothing you've done on your own, but it's still God working in us. And so we have this guest at the wedding banquet who thinks he can come in and not be transformed by the grace of God. And the answer to that is no, that's not possible. And so a couple of things to remember then about this passage. And the first one and the most important is that God has chosen and called you that invitation has been sent out and he is inviting you into the kingdom. And that's something we can remember time and time again. Um, if you're struggling with your faith, if you're struggling with um, things you've done in the past, struggling with something you've done recently, remembering that God has called you and chosen you. Even while you're mired in your sinfulness, God has come to you and chosen you through his son, Jesus. And that being called and chosen is an invitation to let the grace of God sink into our hearts in a way that actually changes who we are and changes how we interact with others and changes how we interact with the world around us. 
The feast has been prepared, and our King has called us through the blood of His Son. And Christ has enabled us to put on the splendid garments of redemption and to set a place for us at His table. And so as we leave today, when we leave, when we leave, don't leave yet, when we leave today, let us give thanks for the grace of God in our lives as God's chosen people. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you have um, called and chosen us. Lord, we thank you that you have, by your Holy Spirit, begun to change us and transform us into the image of your Son, Jesus. Lord, may your grace sink deeply into our hearts, that we might know fully the love you have shown us, and that we might be equipped to begin to show that love to others. We ask this all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.